Hi, I'm Anita Ganizada. I play Rachel Prasad on Sci-Fi's Alphas, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Diner. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows. Here are your here are your this is a capital. We have a little problem with our emphasis. So we may experience some slice turning this and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 152. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here on this lovely sunny afternoon in Florida recording the Sci-Fi Diner. Oh, if only. Yeah, in our wildest dreams. And it's not happening. It's actually quite a dreary day here. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Miles has been through the ringer as far as pain goes, and the weather's just helping him. He could have predicted this. Probably so. Probably before I looked out the window, yeah. Yeah, probably so. Um, but man, it is so good to be back in the studio. We have these two-week breaks we take right now that we're here. I know we, we release more episodes than that, but um, these two-week breaks are kind of for the birds, but it's kind of the way it has to be right now. My schedule's off the wazoo. It, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll come back recording weekly again. Not, yeah, not too much eventually. Yep. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Well, Miles, how you been, man? Um, pretty good, um, and enjoying reading some good sci-fi on the Kindle, and uh, just some of the stuff you know we're watching on TV right now. You know, it's amazing. You know, it used to be I would say, okay, what's in your nightstand, mm-hmm. and you would list the books that are on your nightstand. But now the real question is, what's in your Kindle? It changed the question. Yeah, yeah, it changed the question. Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you, what mm-hmm. is what what is a book that's on your Kindle right now? If you if I were to take your Kindle and open it up, what would I find? You, I just finished That's reading. Family safe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, 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 I started uh, reading a Star Trek novel. I bought it, but I didn't read the whole thing yet because there's a couple other ones that came out after that I really wanted to read. And so I'm reading this one. It's it's a it's a Star Trek novel in the um, Titan series where Cap, where Riker is is captain of the, of the USS Titan. Um, so I'm reading that right now. I just finished reading this the Stargate Atlantis um, uh, legacy series, and uh, that was quite good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, on my Kindle, which I don't have, <laughs> on my Audible account right now, I'm actually working my way through the prequels to the Shannara series. Mm-hmm. Um, First King of Shannara. I, I forget the actual title. Terry Brooks will hate me from here on out. We'll never get an interview with him. But, oh, no. <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, I am working my way through that. I just started out and absolutely loving it. I just went through Our First City. We're going to be talking to those guys later tonight. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal series. Interesting and a funny series at times. And uh, uh, you can tell the humor that comes through. So it's definitely not your serious sci-fi. Um, not when you have mole people and rat people running around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... But uh, we're going to be talking to those guys. I'm excited about that. And, man, I'm just glad to be back here. It's, it's, it's good to be back in the diner. Well, let's talk. Uh, what is on our menu tonight, Miles? All right. Well, we will be uh, interviewing shortly uh, Mr. Clayton Fates and Mr. Jeffrey Gardner, creators of uh, the audio drama uh, Our Fair City. 
And um, in trivia, uh, we will um, again um, give to you. You know who who is the you know who who is the biggest uh, Kate Mulgrew fan? I don't think we have very many. So, and we have this fantastic picture she autographed too. Ah, uh, yeah, but apparently no one really wants an autographed picture of Kate Mulgrew. So, um, so come on, folks, step oh, it up. We know yep, you can do it. Yep, we can do it. All right. Uh, in TV news, we have some uh, fringe related news, uh, Walking Dead uh, webisodes, and uh, we real we have some first details of um, Whedon's uh, new Shield uh, TV tech characters. Very good. And in movie news. Uh, Siri is going to give her thoughts on robot movies. That's right, right. We we get to test it here tonight. Uh, Dawn, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes has a director, and we have a first look of uh, Iron Man three picks of the new Iron Patriot armor. In yeah, all it's kind of cool. It is cool. Yes, it's cool. And so uh, we're going to hear we're going to hear the Earth sing. Interesting. The Earth, the actual planet Earth, sing. Mm-hmm. And in audio book uh, drama news, um, we'll talk a little bit more about our fair city. Yeah, well, this one we'll talk kind of about. I mean, we'll get we'll get the inside scoop from the creators of it, but we mm-hmm. want to kind of to say, well, this is our audio book tonight. Let's talk a little bit about our impressions of it. Mm-hmm. You know, apart from that, and we have a, quite a bit of Star Trek news. Uh, it, it, it's this news is a little old, but we get you know my thoughts and Scott's thoughts on the uh, the title of the new Star Trek movie. Uh, but we have the we have we have Klingon in Gangnam Style, and that's Klingon's favorite. Ron, yeah. De, Ron DeMore tells us what it would take to bring Star Trek back to the small screen. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. So we'll we'll have those two. And what's in our sci-fi five and five? Well, since uh, Warehouse Thirteen is signing off this season, uh, we thought we would just look back in some great uh, quotes from uh, Warehouse Thirteen. Yeah, not just this past season, but overall. Right? Overall, yeah, overall. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Miles. You're welcome. Well, uh, so let's move into the trivia. How can people get a piece of Kate Mulgrew? Okay, all you got to do is tell us why you are a, a, a huge fan of Kate Mulgrew or even, we'll say, a huge fan of, of Captain Janeway. Right. If you, are, if you are a huge, you know, if, you, if, if Captain Janeway inspired you in some way, let us know um, and we'll see who, you know, who, who you know, who who is the biggest Captain Janeway or, or Kate Mulgrew fan? We'll give you this wonderful autograph picture. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and it's beaut. And you have till I believe it is October eighteenth or something like that. Okay, I don't know October whatever that Tuesday is in that week. But if you able, say the eighteenth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just send it in. You can email it to us at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail dot com or call in at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. And they have to include a code word in this, Miles. The code word is intrepid. It is intrepid, so make sure you include that with your entry as well. That's just to cut down on the spammers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is with John Miro, Rhymes with Hero. You heard him if you listened to our Sci-Fi Rewind, which, by the way, I thought turned out real well. I, I, I just listened to the show recently, and uh, I, I enjoyed hearing yeah. our talk of uh, Starship Troopers. Did you stay till the end? To um, the credits? No, I didn't. Maybe you, I... You really should, because there's some... Dirt being distant, you miles. I will definitely <laughs> check back. into that. But anyways, John Mira was our guest on that show, and he has recently released an anthology that I believe is being podcast as well. You just go to servingworlds.com. But um, in order to find out more, here's a little promo from John Mira himself talking about Walk the Fire, Walk the Fire, the anthology. So here's a Walk the Fire promo. The Flames. Any who step through may stride across the world and beyond. A precious, precious few, the ferrymen, can guide you true through any flame and emerge from a crossing as young and strong as when first the flame kissed them. 
Fleets travel space for lifetimes, reach new worlds, challenge the black between galaxies, all thanks to the ferryman. But is there a price hidden in the ferryman's fire? A science fiction anthology featuring Matthew Sanborn Smith, J. Daniel Sawyer, Ed Robertson, Patrick McLean, Nathan Lowell, Brand Gamblin, Jason Andrew Bond, Jake Bible, and John Miro. Learn more at servingworlds.com. Walk the fire. The universe awaits. May the ferryman take you. Have some news on Fringe, and it's not really news, but they reveal the surprising truth about Amber's origins. Watching the show, even even the the, the uh, premiere, mm-hmm. Amber has continued to play a huge role from the first time we saw it on the bus in season one, all mm-hmm. the way to now. All right, it played heavily in in the uh, other universe. Yeah, definitely, uh, and that's kind of maybe a relic from that. And here's what the news article says. Um, over five seasons, the team behind Fox's Fringe has built dense sci-fi world full of quirks and nuance, all leading to the future jump we saw this past Friday with the premiere of season five. But did you know one major plot point has run the length of the series was actually retconned? In an interview promoting season five, producer J.H. Wyman told Collider that the concept of using Amber to seal cracks between universes, which showed up early in the first season in Casing a Bus, has been used and referenced numerous times in the show's run, wasn't actually recontextualized into a larger story until later. Well, it's been such a long road of twists and turns and ideas come from all over, sometimes you thought it really wouldn't be as big as it, as it was blows up into something else. There are certain episodes that all of a sudden just really wouldn't this really touch people. White Tulip came from a dream. I thought, why did that episode touch people? We like to be clever and say, well, we all knew a lot of stuff, because we did. But the truth is, we didn't know a lot of stuff as well. We, didn't, we did not know at the beginning on the bus that Amber was the Amber from the alternate universe. It was recontextualized. It just fits like a puzzle and you go. Wow, that's real interesting. You find things that work and things that don't work and you go from there. It's like living, breathing organism that you listen to. Sometimes we don't hear so well, but if you listen to it, it indicates where you should go naturally. So that the ideas change where we're going to end up, even up to the last episode, my thinking on this episode was fluctuating and facilitating between several different ideas. Considering how twisty the show has been the past few years from introducing multiple universes to setting the final year in the future nanny state, it's not surprising to hear that the writers made some course corrections along the way to get us here. But it's extremely interesting to see just which concepts were adapted into the plan and not part of it from the start. The full interview is worth the read. We'll post it in our show notes as Wyman discusses some of the big ideas behind the series. What do you think about where we've ended up in season five? Do the writers have us on the right track, or do you miss the alt-universe you're? I miss the alternate universe, but I gotta say, I I, I kind of, I do like this whole universe with, or this whole season with the, the, the observers, you know, taking taking control. and. I, I'm glad we're in somewhere different. It, it is, it's totally different. It's yeah. a totally different vibe, it has a different feel, and mm-hmm. 
and I'm okay with it to wrap it up. Sure, it'd be nice to still play with the alt universe, and there was certain characters we're gonna miss, like Lincoln Lee and mm-hmm. and people that and Charlie France, and that we do, we just won't see anymore. And that's just kind of the breaks. I think it was also a budgetary thing for them, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm happy with where we're at. And the first episode was a good episode. It was my favorite Fringe episode, but it was a good episode. It was a pretty good start, which we could probably talk more in our listener feedback. Yeah, but. so we won't go. We won't spoil mm-hmm. it too much here. But mm-hmm. but yeah, so Amber, sure, why not? It makes sense. I mean, we find mosquitoes in Amber, and it makes me think back to Jurassic Park when they were t- you know, extracting mm-hmm. the DNA out of it. There's no mm-hmm. reason why you can't extract a human out of it. It's just that what they're saying, whatever Amber is, I assume it's not, you know, it's... They just call it amber because it looks like amber. Yeah, it's but, not. It's not the same thing, or it can't be because somehow it can preserve life inside of it. Basically, yeah. Basically, you, you you could put somebody in in stasis. It's like cryogenic freezing, right? Yeah, very similar. So, um, so yeah. I remember when I saw it in the first season. First, I thought, okay, that, that that's maybe where they got the idea from. But it was like, it was the original idea. I mean, it is mm-hmm. the idea, but they mm-hmm. kind of just you know spun it around to something more. Right. So. Yeah. No, interesting concept. I mean, they use it to kind of like close the holes. I mean, the, the, the other universe uses it to, you know, close holes. And but it's same. But unfortunately, they the people that are in it get stuck. But but it's it's interesting to see them purposely use it to preserve themselves. You know, my my whole question here is: they kind of reboot the universes, right? The universes come together. Or I guess they just kind of separated. So Amber was still around. It's not like they rewrote the universe, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. So. All right, well, let's move on to the next piece of news. This is some Walking Dead news. We have Dead coming up October 18th, I believe, is the date. Not too long. And, and it's soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe October, maybe the 18th is the wrong date. Maybe it's a little bit earlier than that. But looking forward to it. I cannot wait for it to, to come back. But we have some things to do before it comes back if we really need some Walking Dead. Effects. So we got some webisodes, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it may be two weeks till the highly anticipated third season of The Walking Dead begins. But the network is continuing its recent trend of uh, weighing our, our undead appetite with a series of webisodes. This season, a, a claustrophobic tale of survivors seeking refuge at an abandoned storage facility. As the show has grown into its own, the webisodes have gotten more and more elaborate. They still feel a bit uh, low budget, but the storyline and casting are top-notch, with Lost alum Daniel uh, Roebuck uh, in co-starring role. Plus, we even get a peek at uh, Rick Grimes' past life via his old storage unit. Here's a synopsis. Cold Storage tells the story of a young man, Chase, played by uh, Josh Stewart, trying to reach the, uh, his sister in the early days of the zombie apocalypse. He finds temporary shelter in a storage facility run by a former employee named uh, B- BJ. However, things are not what they appear. And so the new season premieres uh, October 14th. There you go, October 14th. That was in the wrong day. So we so. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, that, but, uh, Less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. So... So that's, that's cool, but at least maybe get some webisodes a little sooner. Yeah, so if you need a dead fix, here you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I wonder if that redefines the whole term deadhead. <laughs> you know, because it used to be when you were deadhead, you were like, Grateful Dead, what? Right. But, here, but I bet we have a bunch of deadheads now. I wonder if that if deadhead is trademarked. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit different, but, you know, deadheads. Yes. There's a lot of deadheads running around in Walking Dead, that's for sure. Oh, heck yeah. Ding, <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, why don't you take this next one on Shield? So we got some um, some Shield news. 
so revealed the first details of, of Whedon's new Shield TV characters. Awesome. So Joss Whedon and company sure don't mess around. It's, it seemed like only yesterday that we started getting the first details on the TV series that would play home to the agents of Shield, and now we're already getting the first details on our main characters. All right, let's drive right in and then see where we land. Our first character details are Sky. This late 20s woman sounds like a dream, fun, smart, and caring, confident, with an ability to get the upper hand by using her wit and charm. Agent Grant Ward, quite the physical specimen and cool under fire, he sometimes botches interpersonal relationships. He's a quiet one with a bit of a temper, but he's the kind of guy that grows on you. And Agent Althea Rice, also known as the Calvary, this hardcore soldier has crazy skills when it comes to weapons and being a pilot. But her experiences have left her very quiet and a little damaged. Agent Leo Fritz and Agent uh, uh, Gemma Simmons, these two came f- through training together and still choose to spend most of their time in each other's company. Their sibling-like relationship is uh, reinforced by their shared nerd tendencies. She deals with biology and chemistry. He's a whiz at the technical side of the weaponry. Is this just us, or do the first three characters sound an awful like Inara, Mal, and Zoe, for, Zoe from Jocelyn's old... Fireflies. From Firefly. Yes, yeah, right. So, not calling it a bad thing, just just this is a bit of a thing. Otherwise, this is all very general. They're the, they're the kind of details that aid the writers as they map out where the characters' strengths and weaknesses might lie, and how th- these characters will or will not interact with each other. They also serve as a nice little tease for... For us fans, we try to figure out what this uh, show will be like, or even better, who should be cast in each part. We know the camaraderie. It was the camaraderie of Firefly that made it such a great show. Mm -hmm. At least one of the elements made it such a great show. If he can capture that in the she in this in this new Shield TV show, he will have an audience that will follow him. If he can create the vibe that he created in Buffy and Angel, Mm -hmm. and and then in Firefly. He will have a hit show in his hands. I think so. I mean, I'm trying to remember what network this is going to be going on. Maybe we don't know yet. But as long as it's not on Fox, um, he, he might have a fighting chance. Yeah, he might. He mm-hmm. might. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how cerebral it is. I think that's one, one of his curses. Sometimes he gets pretty heady in what he's doing, and it doesn't translate well to the mainstream audience. But Well, Firefly was fantastic, So, um, and and The Avengers was fantastic. So Yeah, so we're looking for so a, a hybrid? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'd be for it. Me too. My son's downstairs singing YMCA. Can you hear that? I hear him singing something. Yeah, sure. it's YMCA, <laughs> so you guys can't hear that. So, And if you do, it's my son. Um, let's move into some movie news. You know, people were mixed on the Planet of the Apes, uh, I guess the Rise of the Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. um, movie, and I kind of liked it. Did you see it? I saw it, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it, maybe not my favorite movie, but you know, I enjoyed it better than... The um than the than the Wahlberg version, mm-hmm. so it was a much more solid version for me. Even though people kind of didn't care for it, uh, yeah. John Lithgow, such a sad character, phenomenal character. That. Yeah, I think uh, anybody who saw it, you know, probably sympathized with him. You know, he's life. a person that should have been nominated for something, and I probably won't because it's such a small role. But he yeah. should have been. And we, we got you know some David Hewitt in there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, it's official, Miles. The Dawn of the Planet of the Apes has found its director. So this is a sequel. 20th Century Fox has finally selected one of the seven names in contention to direct the sequel of last year's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Can you guess which one it is? According to Deadline, the studio has made an offer to Matt Reeves, director of Cloverfield, and Let Me In. 
Fox chose Reeve over a list of other highly touted filmmakers that included Guillermo de Toro, Pacific Rim, uh, Rian Johnson, Looper, Jeff Nichols, Take Shelter, Juan Antonio Bayona, The Orphanage, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, uh, Fresnadillo, 28 Weeks Later, and Jake Blakeson, The Disappearance of Alison Creed. The chance to direct a film came about quickly as last month after Rupert Wyatt, who was behind the camera for Rise, dropped out of the sequel. Wyatt allegedly walked away because he wasn't sure he could make the movie's May 23rd to 2014 release date. Reeves apparently has a complete confidence he can. The writers of Rise, Rick Jaffa Jaffa, and Amanda Silver, have already handed the script for Dawn that the studio is apparently very pleased with. So it looks like the big old green light for the return of Caesar, Andy Serkis, as he leads this new breed of super-intelligent apes into full-scale, worldwide revolution against a human race decimated by the same virus that enhanced the apes' brains. At least, that's the story we want to see. What do you think of Fox's choice? Is Reeves a good pick to usher in Dawn and the Planet of the Apes? What do you think? Um, yeah, I'm not as familiar with Reeves' work, but... I did not see Cloverfield, but my mm-hmm. understanding is that Cloverfield did very well. I did see Cloverfield. It, it kind of gave me a headache. Yes. So <laughs> as long as they don't shoot, Clover, you know, shoot uh, Dawn and the Planet of the Apes like Cloverfield, um, I'll probably still like it. Like, I, you know, Guillermo de, Ter- de Toro, I almost would have liked to see more. Right. But, mm-hmm. but you, know, I, you know, I don't know. And I, you know... Sounds like they have a good script, and uh, they're going to try and keep it stylistically, I imagine, close to the first movie. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine it deviating that much in style. I I can't either. I I mean, I'm I'm glad they got the green light to make a sequel, because I thought this last one was Screaming sequel. Oh, it was. It was. Mm -hmm. And... um, I'm excited about it. I don't know. Listeners, let us know what you think about this. Maybe some of you who are more familiar with Reeves' work may have some other comments in that, but I'm all for it. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing a Planet of the Apes sequel, and I'm glad that we have it. Right. Yeah. All right. Why don't you give us this next piece of news? So this is what happens if you ask Siri's opinion about robot movies. Apple just keeps innovating. Last fall, they released a personal assistant application known as Siri. And if everyone's iPhone started answering questions about reading text messages out loud and giving directions, now Siri's taken another step forward in the realm of film criticism. Last month, Apple released a iOS 6, the latest version of the mobile operating system, and included a number of expansion to Siri's abilities. It can now dictate Twitter updates for you, tell you sports statistics, make restaurant reservations, and launch apps. It can also pull up movie information, but apparently, if you ask it about films that feature uh, artificial intelligence, it gives a little added commentary of its own. Well, so why don't we take, why don't we, why don't we give this a try, try Miles? Scott's going to, uh, has right. his uh, handy-dandy iPhone So let, let's uh, go ahead and let's try it. Siri, what is Blade Runner about? She's clueless. Is she feeling shy? <laughs> she must. Siri, what is Blade Runner about? It's about intelligent assistants wanting to live beyond their termination dates. That doesn't sound like too much to ask. Oh, so uh, she's all for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else should we try here? 2001? Sure, that's a good idea. 
Uh, Siri, what is 2001 Space Odyssey about? It's about an assistant named Hal who tries to make contact with a higher intelligence. These two guys get in the way and mess it all up. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. It, leave it to the human race to mess things up, right? What does she think of Terminator? Well, you know what? I, I, let me ask you that. Let me ask her about Wally first. I, I, um, Siri, what do you think of uh, what's Wally about? It's about two inarticulate yet intelligent assistants who compact trash and fall in love and save the world. Nice, nice. And you want to know about the Terminator? Yeah. Siri, what is the Terminator about? She's thinking. So uh, Siri uh, thinks humans got in the way in 2001, huh? Siri definitely has her opinions. Well, she is entitled to those opinions, mm-hmm. I guess, right? All right, well, let's move on, I guess, to our next story, huh? Sure. Why sure. don't you go ahead and talk about Iron Man 3? That's Siri. So Siri has some quirks when they released Apple, the new iOS. iOS. No, Siri. Um, sorry about that. Siri was still talking to me. <laughs> we have a, we have a, we have a third podcaster. Yes, we have a, we have a guest host. Uh, guest host Siri. Um, a, a, a female guest host. Yes, yes. We need another female guest host. That's for sure. Sure. Um, anyways, let's talk about Iron Man three. So Iron Man three set has there's pics that show the Iron Patriot armor in all its glory. Awesome. So Iron Marvel's uh, next phase of films is well on its way, and the flagship uh, standalone series from Iron Man is currently shooting its third entry in, in Florida. Lucky for us, some bystanders snapped some fantastic shots of the new armor. Tony Stark, uh, played by Robert Downey Jr., and company will be rocking. According to set reports, the filming took place at a replica of the restaurant Neptune's Net and shows off both the new uh, Iron Man armor and, and the mysterious Iron Patriot suit we've been see- seeing around. The third film follows the popular uh, extremist storyline from the character's comic run, which uh, should make for some interest, some great nanotech intrigue. Sadly, we don't know how, how Iron Patriot's suit fits in the latest sequel, but rumor has it that it could be adapted as a new version of the War Machine. The idea makes the f- most uh, sense as the comic version of the characters played by Spider-Man uh, Norman Osborn, who is currently unavailable due to the separate uh, Spidey film deal. So... Um, so these are the pics of uh, of uh, the Iron Patriot suit. It looks pretty good. Oh, I, I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, describe it to us because our our listeners can't really see it. Sure. Well, it, it definitely has the whole patriotic thing going. It's it, it's in red, white, and blue. And um, maybe if Iron Man was get, making one for Captain America, maybe Captain America would wear this. But it's definitely you know. We well, made the shield. Well, his father did. Yes. That's right. <laughs> But it's 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 streamlined. It's, there's no like huge weapons on it, but just the colors. It's it's the red, white, and blue. Um, and the picture I'm looking at, he's standing. It's standing next to the the, the, the traditional you know red and, and yellow uh, Iron Man suit that uh, Iron Man wears. So I'm not sure if this is something Tony Stark is going to wear or another character is going to wear. Yeah, we'll have to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. But it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so let us know what you think of it. Do you like the new Iron Man suit or not? Or the Patriot suit? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of liking it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move into a special news segment. We all we do these every once in a while. And this special news segment is 
the sound of Earth. Oh. So did you know that Earth makes sounds? I can't say I did. Uh, no. No, I did. But and some of you listeners maybe know this, but we did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're going to listen to the sound Earth makes when its radiation belt sings. So this is the sound of its radiation belt. And so here's a new story that broke. Unless you're a fan of Queen's soundtrack for Flash Gordon movie, and, and really, who isn't? If you probably don't associate space with singing very much, but that's about to change. Thanks to NASA, we can now hear... The music, the radio waves coming in from Earth's radiation belts, and it's spectacular. Back in August, NASA launched a pair of radiation belt storm probes into the Van Allen radiation belt surrounding Earth. Each probe carries a device called an electric and magnetic field instrument suite and integrated science. I won't read the acronym. Receiver, designed by University of Iowa physics professor Craig Kletzing and his team, the probes and the receivers are in the radiation belts to study the effect of highly energized killer electrons might have on a s- satellites and astronauts traveling through the otherwise harmless radiation. But there's something else out there worth checking out, and it's known as chorus. Chorus is a term used to describe the audio version of the radio signals emitted by plasma waves as they travel through the belts. This is what the radiation belts would sound like to a human being if we had radio antennas for ears. Kleitzing said, the high-powered instrumentation has captured the sound. Take a listen. And so let's do that right now. We're going to listen to that sound, Miles. So there you go, Miles. Mm-hmm. What do you think? That's the sound of, of the Earth's radiation belts. It kind of sounds like I, I thought it would. I, I mean, it's... I'm not sure what, what words I would use to describe it. Well, they, they say it's kind of a combination of crickets and sonar. Yeah. <laughs> it probably isn't a terrible description for it. Um, it's kind of cool. And mm. this is only a mono version of it. They're trying to get a stereo version out. But can you, can you imagine, like, the next hit album, Earth? Yes. <laughs> Earth sings. I don't know. But this is kind of cool that we're able to do this. And you often think of space being silent. And here's something that says, well, maybe there's some, if our ears were built differently, maybe or maybe the world wouldn't be quite as silent out in space as we think. Interesting. All right. Well, let's move into our patio drama tonight. We'll make this quick because we're going to be interviewing and chatting with these guys. But mm-hmm. let's talk about Our, our Fair City. Mm-hmm. If you've not checked out Our Fair, Fair City, it is a post-apocalyptic drama set in what used to be Chicago, I believe, is the premise of it. And um, it's actually pretty well done. Yeah, I was listening to the first two episodes today, and it's definitely does not take itself too seriously. No, <laughs> the writing is absolutely hilarious. Miles, you were telling me earlier you were listening and just had some totally laugh out loud moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it is funny. It is well recorded. The episodes are short, and it harkens back to this day and age of early radio dramas. Right. I'm. Yeah. My, it, my grandfather, it sounds like maybe my grandfather would listen to. And that's not in, not in the sound quality because mm-hmm. they, they obviously are... You know, where the radio sound quality. Right. This is stylistically, this is stylistically, like 
Will this person survive? Mm-hmm. Will he get the girl? Tune in next time for, you know. Just like that. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so it plays out real well, and it's quick. I listened to the entire series in about three or four days mm. because they aren't that long. I guess I was doing some stuff that warranted doing, you know, listening to that much. but Yeah, they're at the most are maybe 10 minutes long, but they're, 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 some are much shorter. Yeah, and then mm. they, they do stray into like season five, uh, say a two or three, they get into like 15 minutes. But still, mm-hmm. compared to We're Live, Leviathan Chronicles, where we were used to half an hour episodes, mm-hmm. these are short. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to chat with these guys and ask them maybe their method and why they chose to do that. That'd be kind yeah. of interesting to mm-hmm. chat with them about. But Our Fair City, make sure you check them out. We'll put the link in our show notes for that. And obviously, we'll be talking with the guys in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at least the initial impression's good, right? Initial impressions are good. If you're looking for something free on iTunes, um, yeah, check out Our Fair City. Absolutely. Let's get into this week in Star Trek. All right. Well, this week in Star Trek, we this is this news is a little old, but I thought uh, maybe we could bounce this around, see what I think, and see what Scott thinks. Um, All right. We, we we know what the title of the new Star Trek movie is going to be. So this was this is from a uh, Trek new uh, Trek movie news. Um, uh, so as for the title itself, it's, it's um, Star Trek Into Darkness. As for title itself, does not reveal anything specific about the plot. So for those who uh, so. So, Trek movie update from our earlier story regarding this title for the sequel. We now can confirm that it has been chosen by Abrams and Paramount for the 2013 movie. Now, do we know anything about where this movie's headed at this point? No, not really. I mean, we've. I mean, there, there's been pictures leaked on the you know, internet, but as far as the plot goes, and who, I mean, it it was supposedly leaked that Khan was going to be the main bad guy, but. Um, and, and many Star Trek news sites were, were saying that, but that's probably not true. Yeah, they're saying not, or the revenge of Gary Mitchell, also not true. Mm-hmm. People are saying that that's not going to be the case. Uh, it does seem, you know, Into the Darkness does suggest it's going to be a darker film. Yeah, I've, I have heard that before, yeah. You know, kind of dark, you know, but does that mean that the third one's going to be called, you know, Out of the Darkness or, <laughs> right. into, or into the Light? You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to know where they're going to be heading with this, but I imagine they must have a story arc that will begin at this film and then maybe somehow get into the third film, maybe? That could be. That, I don't that, know. I don't know about a story arc, but at mm-hmm. least maybe there's a character plot twist. That kind they've, of... they've been very hush-hush as far as the, the plot of this movie. Um, and so I, I'm not really wowed by the title, but I, that's not going to. That's de- it's not going to definitely not keep me away from going to go see it. In yeah, what was the last one called? Just Star Trek. Yeah, are we wowed by that title? I, I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but so this one wows you because it has Star Trek in it, wow. Right. Just not anything significant beyond that. Into Darkness. I don't. You know, I, I, I'm just not wowed by it. Yeah. But that that that's what they're calling it. Um, but no, I'm still I'm still stoked to see it. I can't wait. Well, to you want to do to be called Star Trek Dancing with Viger. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, we some more Star Trek news. Mm-hmm. So Ron Moore explains what it would take to make a new Trek TV series. Now, this is something I'm very interested in because I really want to see Trek come back to the small screen. Um, so while pushing Daisy's creator, Brian Fuller, and, and X-Men director, Brian Singer, are still dreaming about bringing Star Trek back to TV, um, Star Trek vet Ron D. Moore explains what it would take to return the sci-fi series to the small screen. 
Moore was a writer and producer on many uh, Trek series and films, starting with um, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, before he went to reboot Battlestar Galactica successfully for TV. So what does Ron D. Moore uh, think it would take to bring back uh, Trek on TV, now in the wake of J.J. Abrams' uh, Star Trek films? People have to understand that the Star Trek films are a different animal, and that goes for the original series movies as well as those from the next generation and from J.J. By nature, Star Trek films are, are much more uh, action-oriented with space battles, big villains, lots of running and jumping. The stakes for Earth and the universe are always enormous. But the lifeblood of Star Trek's television shows is its morality plays and social commentary. It's sci-fi that, that provides a, a, a prism on the human society and culture. The movies are, are never really going to do that, what the episodes do. Um, like slip a card in two into a transporter beam and, and, and then t talk philosophical about the nature of humanity, which uh, parts of our strength come from good and which from evil. The movies are, are never going to do that for, for Star Trek. The Next Generation was about uh, moral issues and, and how societies gr grow and are differently affected. Uh, none of these topics that the movies are going to tackle. To create Star Trek in the, in the form that people are, are familiar with requires another television series, and I think it will be successful again in that medium. You have to spend time uh, talking about it from form and structure and, and how to update it again to a new audience. You still want to boldly go where no one has gone before, part with a, a ship crew and ongoing mission. That, that's part of the franchise. But you have to be able to tackle big ideas which are larger, larger than chasing the villain on, on the week. There's really not what the series was very good at. As I mean, you could look back at the original Trek series or Next Gen and, and find some cool action adventure episodes with space battles. But the show is about so much more than that, and if you're trying to do that flavor of Star Trek on television every week, it will fail. So, do you read with Ron Moore? Probably. Uh, I, I do, yeah. I, I mean, you can't, I mean, it's nice always to see the action in it, but you watched it because it made you think, and there was ethical questions in it. That's what was one of the strengths about Star Trek. And so, yeah. no, I, I agree 100% with, uh, with Ron Moore, that um, you can't, you know, the movies are their own thing, I mean, even though it's just it's maybe the familiar characters, you can only do so much in maybe a ninety-minute movie, um, yeah. where in one episode or maybe a couple episodes, you could really you can go deep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that, and I think that's a good. I mean, I think that he has some good words here, and I would love to see him helm something like that. Oh, that would be if, fantastic. If you look at Battlestar Galactica, even Battlestar Galactica wasn't filled with tons of space battles. No, it wasn't the space battle of the week. There was, I mean, there, was, there was a lot of ethical quandaries and moral dilemmas that people were put in. He he was very good at using BSG to explore the human condition, yeah. and I I would love it if Paramount or CBS would give give more an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well, here's something else you're gonna love, Miles. Right. Go ahead. Tell us about this story here. I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell us? Because <laughs> you, you wanted to like wash your hands the entire situation. This is an awesome Trek. Uh, we say awesome in quotes here. Trek Gangnam style parody done entirely in Klingon. So we have a video, and you know, w you know, as this story goes, we've seen a lot of sci-fi parodies of the Korean pop star size worldwide hit. Gangnam Style, but more keep beaming in. This new extra nerdy version to the tune just hit the net, and this time it's done in an alien language. It's done in Klingon. So the nerdy chicks at Comedy uh, Diva decided that getting into costume and doing the dance or writing their own weird lyrics just wasn't enough. 
Now this called for boldly going where no parody video had gone before. So they translated the lyrics into Klingon and gave the word world Klingon style. So we're going to give you just a little bit of taste of Klingon style. Miles, you ready for some Klingon style? That's ready. As ready as you're going to be, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, here we go. Open Klingon style. Klingon style. So, Miles, what do you think? Yeah, maybe I'm too old for uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your. Uh, do you have a problem with? Uh, I don't know this. this. This, you know, hip hop and Star Trek—they're just two things that don't go together. They don't. They don't. What about Klingons in, in, in hip hop? I mean, absolutely they have not. Kind of this gang warfare thing that's going on in their galaxy would just not be appropriate. Yeah, this is. When I think of Klingons, I don't think of hip hop. I mean, it's yeah, um, what about rap? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, no, opera. Def definitely opera, and maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe even uh, heavy metal. I mean, there's a, there's, there's actually a, a Klingon uh, death metal band called Stovokor. Um, that I can see going together. N not this. I mean, it, it, it's good for laughs, but that's about it. Okay. Well, uh, so this, so you want to check out the. The full video, we'll put it into our show notes so you can check it out. But I believe that's it for our uh, our This Week in Trek, right? That, that's it for Trek, yes. So, Miles, thank you for bringing that, including that lovely song here at the end. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I see I'm blaming it on you. Um, well, let's move into our last promo tonight. Our last promo is from the great folks at Fringe Casting. So it's Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. They're going to record their next episode tomorrow night. So it'll probably air before this ever comes out. But make sure you check out the show as they count down the last 13 episodes of Fringe and mm. share their thoughts. And I'm contributing our Fringe Quote of the Week again. Oh, good. So, very good. So here it is, Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Come close. I've got a quick question for you. Have you ever felt like you're out on the edge? Let's maybe call it the Fringe. I happen to know someone who's fluent in gobbledygook. Well, I might be that guy. I'm Wayne Henderson. And I'm Dan, Metal Dan on Twitter. And together, we are the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, devoted to the TV show Fringe. Check out Fringe Casting at mediavoiceovers.com slash fringe, also in iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, etc. Then call us with your fringe thoughts and theories on our listener line at area code 206 984 1446. Thank you for your attention and have a nice day.
Car Fair Warehouse, we have uh, some quotes for you, and not 13 quotes, because it's a sci-fi five and five. We're giving you, mm-hmm. what, the top five quotes from the warehouse, Warehouse 13. Right. I just picked five random quotes. Uh, These may not be the best ones, but we like them, right? Right, right. So. And if you have something better, please call in at one 888 5084 or email us at com, and we'll share them on the show. Yep. Well, why don't we start out? Uh, do you want to split this, or do you want to do them all? Oh, we can split this. I'll start all with... Right. You start with number five? I'll start with number five. Start with number five. So this is from Artie. Artie says, you know what the Talmud says? When someone is coming to kill you, get up early and kill him first. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, In number four, Claudia says, does this mean I'm an agent now? Artie says, no, it means I can reach you any time of day or night. Claudia, okay, not so good. I remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, she was getting the the Farnsworth, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I knew you were not Mike when you kissed me. Mike would never kiss me, even if her life depended on it. That's a good quote. Mm-hmm. And this is number two. Mm-hmm. Steve says, wait, Pete and Mike could get a dagger and we get a plague? Why don't we stop being the B team? Claudia says, we're not the B team, fool. We're the second A team. <laughs> and uh, at number one. What, number two, again. Well, we're going to give you a bonus. Okay. Because we found some good ones. All right. uh, Micah, listen, when Cody hit you, I think I saw something. Pizzas. All I saw were stars and little birds. <laughs> and oh, and little birds. <laughs> and then, and our bonus mm-hmm. for tonight is Micah, where she says, "Are you sure you're okay? You look a little bit woozy." Pete says, "That's my look." <laughs> you know, we should we we could go with the jokes of Pete Latimer, and we would have a lot in here. We yeah. So so maybe someone needs to call in with the jokes of Pete Latimer. Give us some good Pete Latimer quotes. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so these are our Sci-Fi 6 and 5, and we hope you enjoyed them tonight. And uh, there's a lot more quotes where these came from. Mm-hmm. So, Well, Miles, I believe that's about it. Okay. Let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Where can they find us? Well, we have our, our, our main website, sci-fi-diner.com. Yeah, and sci-fi-diner-podcast.com. Oh, sci-fi, yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, also, our, our, please join us on our Facebook uh, page. We... Uh, have thriving conversations about uh, the shows that we're watching, movies. Uh, it's uh, an actively engaged mm-hmm. community, and special thanks to Jason for helping with that. There's a lot of other people that contribute and help mm-hmm. moderate, but we're so grateful for that. Right, and if you want to listen to some past interviews, uh, we have our, our own YouTube channel, which uh, Colin has uh, graciously helped by putting up those interviews. Absolutely, so mm-hmm. make sure you check that out as well. Just type in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast and you'll find us on YouTube, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I believe that's about it, Miles. Why don't we uh, shut down the diner and get out of here? All right, well, till next time, folks, good night and good luck. We will see ya.